Hey, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Football Patriots. I'm Will Voigt, joined by Mo. Mo, welcome to the first episode, sir, of the Football Patriots. I'm excited, man. I'm really excited for this thing because it's been something I've wanted to do for a while. And now that we have you know, more time, obviously, and, and it's a great time to do this thing because of the summer they're about to have in soccer. So I'm really excited for this project. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We, you know, we're, we're all about U.S. soccer, but of course, Champions League final is tomorrow. We'll go in depth a little bit more about that later, but let's first introduce ourselves to our viewers, our listeners. So my name is Will Voigt, like I mentioned before. i uh, been a soccer fan basically all my life. Played youth soccer when I was young. And then I got into the Premier League. And Mo, this is where me and you kind of differ a little bit. I know we've talked about it a little bit before in classes. Ironically enough, I'm a Chelsea fan. Just so happened to be a Chelsea fan, you know. I remember the first time watching them, Diego Costa was still on the team. Tells you how long ago that was. Uh, Diego Costa still is one of my favorite Chelsea players. Eden Hazard has to be the all-time favorite, um, but... Diego Costa, bully up front. Um, that That's where I really fell in love with soccer, watching in the Premier League. I've uh, been a Chelsea fan ever since. Um, obviously, Mo, we've talked about we had a little bit more time now. Both me and you are graduates of Rowan University. Whoop. Next year for me. Next Uh-oh. year, next year. Why did, I, why did I think this year that you graduated? I don't know. I'm not, I, gra- I'm not, I'm not I graduated. You I graduated. You graduated. Oh, okay. I'm old. Wow. That's real sweet. Yeah, I'm the old guy. I just so happened to graduate this year. Um, was a sports communication double major with radio, television, and film. So we have a little bit of experience kind of doing something like a podcast. We never really had the opportunity to do it in a class. Uh, something that I think maybe would have been fun, cool, and exciting. But uh, but we're excited now that school is done. We have a longer spring break than what we had originally this year, uh, which was, uh, in in case anybody did have a spring break, uh, we did not have a spring break at all. We went all the way through from February until May, and uh, there was a lot of outcry from from students that were not not happy. Um, But we all got through it. Uh, Times right now are still a little bit crazy. But, Mo, how about you introduce yourself to the viewers? All right, so... Uh, so my involvement in the sport is kind of different than most people's. I, you know, got into refereeing when I was young. I was a player too, but I was, I was not a good player. You know, I was just not a good player at all. Uh, I was fast. We, but we I, all had that. We all had that issue, man. Don't worry. At, at, yeah, the, youth, this, at the youth age, it's, it, it's tough. It's tough at the youth age to understand. I saw very tough. But, I sucked. I'm not going to lie. I sucked. But you know what? We, we all get through it somehow, some way. Yeah, I played through high school. I mean, I wasn't a varsity player, but I played through high school. So, I mean, Same here. I wasn't, you know, I'm open honest, but I'm just, I just wasn't a good player. I was, the only yeah. thing I had going for me was I was fast and I was a good leader. So, I mean, that was the only two things that I had. I but did, I did not reason- have the speed. I, I, was, I, I did <laughs> not have the speed in high school. But we're not going to talk the about only, that. Uh, the only, <laughs> we can't, we can race and we can talk about it later. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> the only, so those two things that I mentioned, the reason why that got me through like playing the sport is because I developed my skills as a referee 
from a young age. And you know, I was doing rec games at 10 years old and, you know, learning like the fundamentals, the rules since I, at a young age. And, you know, yeah, I'm refing five or six year olds, but like these are the same rules that they do, that they use at the professional level. You know, you got to learn them to be just, to, you know, to be able to do your job. So did it for like three or four years until I was 14. I just kind of stuck with it and I love it. I live for it. I, it's awesome. I love refereeing games. I have games this weekend, but they're probably gonna get rained out to be honest. Um, and you know, not many people, everyone wants to be a referee, man, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. No matter what level you're doing it at, it's not easy at all. I'm, I, I have so many referee stories, you know, down the line, we can talk about all those stories, but um, yeah, as for, you know, I have my two years in high school doing it. I love that. And I'm trying to get my adult license soon. That's a goal of mine. If I can stay healthy and I can, you know, make some time for that. And it's just, it's a great way to make money. I can go on and on about refereeing, but um, that's my little niche in the sport. It's not like most people's, but as a fan of the sport, um, my first ever Premier League game that I watched was that Aguero goal. So iconic, uh, I, I, iconic. Yeah, even, iconic. Even as not a uh, as a Chelsea fan, you know, we don't like seeing City succeed. Uh, same with Liverpool. Same with Arsenal. Every other major top six team in in the Premier League. But uh, that that game, that call, is so iconic in Premier League history that I don't think you can judge the amount of energy in that call i i mean it was so electric as a sports slash soccer fan you have to appreciate that just from that standpoint oh i think it's better than the mike green bang like a hundred percent like uh, kind of cold. oh, oh uh, no Dude, he's, he's, he's screaming he's, he's screaming aguero like he starts I'm screaming not aguero before he even touches the ball, like he knows the ball is going to fall to him. And as Aguero just winds up in the shooting motion, there's this crescendo of Aguero. And it's amazing. Like it's just unreal. It takes off the shirts. And that after that moment, I was like, wow, this is my team. Because I just, it's, there's no, there's no way that like, this isn't the first Premier League game I've watched. Yeah. And this happened. They win the title off, off this insane historic moment. And ever since then, I've just been a part of the city rebuild. And I, yeah. You know, oh, can you I, really I call know. it a city rebuild? Let's be honest, Mo. Come on. The amount of yeah, money that I, okay. both of our teams have, you really can't call them rebuilds because they have the money to just buy out everybody. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, city in 2015 is much different than city. Oh, I'm not going to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Same way with Chelsea. More than, yeah, but more than any other club, in my opinion, just because of a. a there's obviously some factors the money factor you know the manager factor all these little tidbits here and there yeah. but to see i've just kind of just been a part of that like you know the, the logo change like everything yeah. the badge like it, it's this evolution of manchester city to what it is now was not was it was when aguero scored that goal right so, um, right and but as much as i you know love manchester city i am just a diehard men's national team fan i you know, been seen at their worst, seen at their best. Yeah, oh, you can argue all. that that you can argue that there really hasn't been a best, but um, oh, the, 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 the twenty fourteen was was good. Tell that to the people across the pond; they won't listen to you. So they they still disrespect hey, soccer. But if you're telling me Tim Howard 
uh, could compete with the Belgian national team and only gave up what he did, yeah, you have to be proud of that because that Belgium national team is disgusting. Yeah, but that was Tim Howard. That wasn't the national team. That was Tim Howard. That, that, well, that, that, just, well, I mean, Tim Howard is just a god. And they still lost that game. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Belgium national team is my second favorite national team, by the way. Don't ask me why, but that's just a gross team. And it's nice to see them actually getting recognized as like the number one team in, in FIFA. Yeah, no, they're, they're loaded. I mean, they just got to put the pieces together, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Mo, uh, yeah. Good intro. We we know your refereeing style now. Also, fun fact to our viewers and listeners: pocket referee app in the works for Mo. Right, Mo? All right. I can. I'll talk about it briefly. But do, Professor Steiner really wanted me to go through with this project. And you know what? Like, considering what he's done in the sports industry and everything like that, I, I did. I'm, I'm I didn't just throw it to the side or say, you know, screw this, screw this stupid project because it's not a stupid project. I thought it no, was, it's not a stupid project. Like, it, it was a good idea, and I, you know, brought it to some people, people who saw it, liked it, and I just can't find someone to develop the stinking app, bro. Mm. Like, I just, I just can't. I don't speak that language. I don't speak, yeah. speak code. Yeah, that's so, all coding. It, yeah, I mean. I speak two languages, but that is not one of them. So and I just, if someone is that is listening to this can code and can, you know, do the front part and the back part, whatever the hell it's called, help me. And you, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy and going, man. I think that, you know, developing the app is giving me half the battle. So I would yeah. be willing to give half the idea to somebody, you yeah. know, because that's just something I can't do. I need someone to help me work on it, but I, I put it on LinkedIn. I brought it to, I DM this guy on LinkedIn right. that works for US soccer marketing. And he, you know, gave me this whole like legal spiel. And I was, just, I just didn't answer him. I was like, screw that, whatever. Like, I don't know. Oh, fine. Yeah. To so give, um, to give an idea I want to do that. You do though. Give an idea of what we're talking about. Just so y'all aren't in the, what are they talking about with this pocket referee app? Uh, so in this, this past year, me and Mo were in a sports journalism class together. Um, he had, before mentioned Professor Steiner, that was the professor we had for our final project for the semester. We had to do a, it was basically like a what's wrong in the world of sports and how can we fix it? Um, and, and coming up with almost like an app or like a design feature um, to help make it a little bit more smooth on the media end of, uh, of professional sports. So Mo had created this uh, soccer refereeing app called Pocket Referee, where you could go through, you could uh, take quizzes to see how well you would do um, in the real life uh, sport, uh, highlights, taking quizzes, taking tests, stuff like that. Am I right with that assumption, Mo, of what the Pocket Referee was in a sense? Yeah, it's supposed to just be an educational tool to teach people the laws of the game. And, you know, my... When Professor Steiner said, find a problem in the sports world, I made it very personal because oh, as people, just, people just don't know the, the rules to soccer. And right. it's like, not fans I'm talking about. I'm talking about players, right. coaches. Right. And quite frankly, sometimes they're the referees. And it oh, really bothers oh, me oh, because... Some of the referees are awful. We're, we're, oh, no, I'm not talking about the, the pros, not the pros. Because that's... Oh, well, uh, they're not... We friends. can... We can uh, if we can argue about the pros all day, because I think that 
with VAR I think it's, I think it's more systematic than it is like them themselves. VAR but I'm talking ruined the sport. That's all I got to say. That's all right. That's fair enough. I I don't disagree with you about that. <laughs> I don't I don't disagree. But what I'm going to say is that it's this, it's a structural problem with the big boys, not more so an educational problem. And you know, my my thinking behind this was that hey. If you don't know the rules to a game, why are you playing it? And more importantly, why are you yelling at the guy who actually does know the rules to the game that he doesn't know the rules? Because you, like, and, you know, I won't use the handball example because the handball example is the worst example to use. The, the law is stupid. The law is changing so many, so often. It's changing again next year. Fun fact, if you didn't know that. So, no, I didn't know that. It's changing again. So, so I think the, they're, they're removing some some awkward parts of the the law. More, okay. more the, the biggest highlight is definitely the if the hand touch if the ball touches the hand of an attacking player and then goes in the net, but it's not the technically it wasn't a handball. It what? has to be ruled out because it is a handball. That's the old rule. That's this year's rule. Oh God! I know exactly. So <laughs> is... your reaction is exactly, but they're it's they're removing that. And they're removing that. No, they're amending that in order to make it more clear. But the whole point is that the law itself is not clear at no, all. Because no. It's subjective. And yes. that's the problem because, because referees know what handball is. I've seen a handball between times. But the people sitting at home, they think they know what a handball is, but they don't know what a handball is. So, right. And the FIFA is trying to change these laws so that the people at home understand what a handball is but it's making it even worse because the yeah. professional guys are like, I don't know what to call, you know? Um, right. So, but I sent going back to the pocket referee. If you can at least teach people what the rules are, then they can themselves understand like, okay, this is what I would call in this situation. This is what I would call rather than like just being angry and being like emotional and just not having that prior knowledge before that, you know, reaction. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't disagree. And I, and I think what you have going with the pocket referee is great. Um, so to our viewers, stay tuned for pocket referee and pocket referee pro. We cannot forget the pro version of the app no. for uh two ninety nine. Right? That's going to be, that's down the road. Yeah. yeah. That's down the road. I don't even want to get down that. That's like, <laughs> that needs, that needs, that needs like three programmers for that man. Three. Well, I can't but even find one. So, Oh boy. All right, Mo. So um, we, we, we did a little bit of an introduction, but let's get to the main, main topic of today's first inaugural episode. We had talked about it. It just so happens that both of our teams are uh, dueling it out in the Champions League final tomorrow. So with that, let's get into it. What are you thinking? Well, first of all, I'm not going to be, I, there, I potentially could not be watching the game tomorrow live. Because oh, that's disappointing. I have games tomorrow. Oh, but that's the, so but disappointing, though. The soccer gods, the soccer gods might bless me because it's supposed to pour all day, all night, and then going into tomorrow. It's supposed so, to pour all weekend. Yeah. So if if the soccer gods love me and love all the dedication that I've put into Manchester City and into this sport, they will rain out my tournament games tomorrow. But <laughs> man's got to make money. So, but I'm going to give you the, my lowdown predict, uh, lowdown. Just, uh, I'll give you my lowdown on City. Okay. And then I'm assuming you'll give me the lowdown on uh, Chelsea. So there's a, there's a lot to, to talk about with Chelsea. Oh. If, oh. If, you haven't watched, 
if you haven't watched Manchester City this season, uh, they are really good. And on paper, they are probably the best team in Europe. Uh, not just their their lineup, but but hey, this is hey, this is my preview. Okay, this is my preview. It's a hot, it's a hot. <laughs> uh, you know, Premier League champions, Carabao Cup champions. Uh, and for, this club has won lots of silverware in the past four or five years, but the one thing that they haven't been able to win is this, the Champions League title. And it's this the one true. thing that's reigning over manager Pep Guardiola's head. Yeah. And honestly, this club and the people that, the, you know, the Saudi Arabians that have invested into this club. So, you know, can can they get over the line is, this, is the question around this time. And it was going into this Champions League season. And honestly, Manchester City have delivered. I mean, just, yeah. oh, just go oh, I'm not disagreeing with that. Recent results. So let's go off some recent good wins. PSG, they beat 4-1 over two legs. Right, PSG is a great, a good, solid squad, and PSG's not a hot-headed PSG team. But uh, yeah. on like on paper, City dealt with them pretty easily, right? And that's a side that people are like, that's a you know world-class team. Yeah, so beat Dortmund. Go ahead. What's that? Uh, they beat Dortmund over two legs as well. They beat them four what? two. Yeah, Dortmund. The year out before that. Okay. And recently, and I put this in there because it might not seem big, but. Beating Everton five nothing on the last day of the season oh, is yeah. huge, huge because you look at it and not to jump ahead, but to Chelsea who oh. lost their last game in the season, yes. had lost a couple games prior, and you know you go into a huge game like this with almost no momentum, whereas City are riding high on momentum, right? And that's huge, even though the game is was you know a week after, it's huge. Right. So, right. um, couple things about Manchester City. City have not lost in the Champions League this season. They have only dropped points once to Porto. 0-0 draw on the group stage. Uh, and and in each of the ties, and each of the legs, not the ties, the legs of, right. the, of the knockout rounds, they scored two goals. Yeah. So that's, you know, they're scoring goals. They're putting teams away. They're playing yeah. great defense. Because if they're scoring two goals and winning every game, that means they're playing great defense, you know? So um, they're not. They're only allowing zero to one. So some goal leaders, Ilkay Gundogan, all just all of a sudden this season burst out of nowhere. Who knows where that came out of? Let's be honest here. I, I'll tell you exactly where that came out of. The the, the switch in formation for, for City, they you know really changed up. They didn't have the focal point in Aguero this year. You know we just talked about how great of a striker Aguero is, and to have him out of this City team for you know he's well, still he's, a good player. He's gone. he's gone after the and he's gone next year. It shows how far this City team have come because yeah. they have. Six guys in their front line. I'm gonna and I'll read you the numbers. Ilkay Gundogan, center midfielder, 17 goals this season. Right. Phil Foden, just stud this year. Oh, Phil Foden, absolutely fantastic yeah. for Manchester. City. Boyhood club, 16 goals this season. Gabriel Jesus, who has Ooh. been playing in like the B, the the B level games, 14 right. goals this season. Riyad Mahrez, who's arguably has best season in City this year, this year, 14 goals. Ferran Torres, who has stepped up and has played everywhere across the front line. Right. 13 goals and Kevin De Bruyne, who is City's best player, definitely. If you ask me, best midfielder in the world, hands down. Yes. Oh, and yeah, th- th- there's no doubt, no debate. And Premier League Hall of Famer, when you know, when he yes. gets his time for that, 10 goals this season because obviously he can't had injury, but you know, his assist numbers are still up there. But just just there's five guys right there who are in double digits goals, yeah, and some of them shouldn't have double digit goals this year, no, at all. and it's 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 the beauty of this city team is that they, they just can score from any of the six guys up front. You know, it's it's in that not a lot of teams have that, which is why I say they are, I think they're the best side in Europe. They sit on paper. Um, 
you know, they're the, and like we said before, they're the, they're gonna, this is their new, this is a new challenge for them. This, they're, be to, they're about to be the 42nd club to appear in a European final. New club. So can they get over this hump? On paper, statistically, from this whole season, City have a really good shot, shot to bring this title home. Right. But I'm a very honest fan, very honest, you know, straightforward. Though It's all mental from here. Yes. And just, just reading the reports this week, about how they're feeling from all the players, from Pep. You know, I don't think that's going to be as much of an issue as you know, I'm myself and some pundits think as well. So we'll, we'll see what Pep Guardiola decides to bring to the table. Uh, I think their their lineup could kind of have some surprises in it, depending on how, what Pep wants to do and who he thinks he can bring off the bench. Yeah. But for City, this is you know the ultimate test, and yeah. if they don't get it done tonight. There, people are going to be asking a lot of questions about, you know, performance, performance-based questions in these big moments. Yeah, and I mean, we, we've talked about their offense, but you got to think Ruben Diaz in that back line for City this year has been phenomenal, absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Now, I don't know much about the rest of their defense because um, I, I don't watch Manchester City. Um, uh, elite. Their def- defense is elite this season. I has mean, it been? I mean, it's, it hasn't been like this any other season. I mean, yeah. it, it, you said the, the the incoming of Diaz, or since I can remember since last company probably, and he was the rock at the back. Now it's Diaz, you know, bringing a guy from Portugal. Wow, what a name you just threw out there. Legend. Manchester City legend. He should have a statue outside with Aguero uh, at, a, at, a, at the Etihad. But just you brought up the yeah. back line, and I think it has been a huge talking point this year between – you know, pundits across the, across the globe. And Diaz has come of his own. He's been a rock. He's yeah. Been great. But I think what makes him so good is the fact that Stones is coming of his own. This is a guy who came to Manchester City a, a little after that rebuild started. And he played well to initially and then kind of fell off the map. And no one knew it. He got injured here and there. And he just wasn't playing the way he was supposed to. And now, all of a sudden... Guardiola throws him next to Diaz and he's a stud and you know he plays like the way John Stone should be playing and when you have those two guys at the back I, that's it's irreplaceable like that that rock at the back so those two will definitely be starting for me um on Saturday come three o'clock yeah we'll get into the projected lineups a little bit later do you have anything else you want to give us a preview of or a post season recap of what Manchester City did for you as a fan. Uh do you, do you my think- Sunday my Sundays consisted of waking up and watching Manchester City this year. And I think that because of coronavirus, coronavirus did a lot and negatively impacted people. But right. you know, it's been it's been over a year now. Like just right. look back at the past year that we've had. And for me, I think the biggest thing it's done for me is it's given me more of an opportunity to learn the sport and watch sure. my team. And sure. just really, really grasped soccer, football, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like right. it's, and I, I feel like it's been the same way for everybody because we were starved yeah. of it, you know, in, in oh. mid 2020. And oh. it came back. And I feel like that's when it really took off for me. And I was watching so much. Yes. And so to answer your question, I think City have just given me a, an avenue to be like, I'm going to watch my team. And plus they're my best sports team that I follow. So I, I right. mean, like, you know, I all my other sports teams suck. So um, I have something that is a, I can hold up against people. Well, I remember um, 
when when COVID hit last year, everything obviously got got canceled and everything got shut down for for the obvious right reasons. I remember that come, I think it was either end of May, early June, maybe it was in July. The Premier League was basically the first major sport to come back, and I remember just being ecstatic. I I couldn't remember a time where soccer, not only soccer, but sports in general meant so much to me as a fan watching and then having it come back and being as powerful as it was, um, not only on the field, but off the field. Um, I, I mean, soccer just brought together, in my opinion, so many people, but I think it also brought together a new fan base of soccer fans because I mean, it, it was a sport to watch, but I think for a lot of people, they, they saw soccer as a way to uh, escape. Obviously, there really wasn't much escaping from from the, the outbreak and the virus and the pain that it caused to, to a lot of people. Um, but I, I think soccer was a, was a way to look at sports a little bit different, and it was something that – I remember there was soccer on basically – either every day or every other day and i was like all right sure i'm a chelsea fan but here let me throw on aston villa playing sheffield united you know it's it's a sport it's it's live entertainment that you can you can relate to something that you can watch something that you can understand so i think when soccer came back last like i said either may june or july i can't i can't remember last year let's be honest i don't think this came back in May. May Bundesliga came back. Right, that was the big yes on ESPN. Yes, yes. And I remember watching Dortmund. Too. It was Dortmund and Holland. Holland played. I think that was the first time he was like on a national stage. Right, early Holland, and he's. Yeah. No, so many people know his name now because of that. Right, it's crazy. Right, but I think when when Bundesliga came back, because I do remember it was Bundesliga. Now that was the first one back. It was incredible. You know, I, I think there was a side of, of sports that we all appreciated a little bit more and something that I think, uh, something that was exciting. Something that was exciting. Yeah. But, Mo, thank you for the Manchester City recap. I guess. I'm we'll- excited what you have to hear for Chelsea. I'm excited. I'll tell you what, the City one was not hard. I, this one is oh, going to be hard. Very difficult. I can't wait. This is very difficult. <laughs> Where to begin about this Chelsea season? Well, let's talk about their first big signings that they did. You know, everyone was ecstatic, along with me, when we see Kai Havertz and Timo Werner come join Chelsea. And there's been talks that there's more signings next year. Holland's been thrown out a couple times, and I just don't see that being at all plausible or that it will happen at Chelsea. I don't think it's worth it. Um, I don't even think he wants to come to Chelsea. Well, nobody wants to come to Chelsea. That's what you're trying to say. I'm, I'll say it for you. I don't think he wants to come to Chelsea. Well, money talks. No, we know this. Both of our teams, money talks for, for both of our teams. Uh, but everybody's been saying, oh, Timo and Kai haven't done a lot. I I I'd beg to differ. Obviously, it's not going to be the same amount of goals and assists that they would have had in the Bundesliga, but I I think, and Mo, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, the Premier League is something completely different than any other league in the world. 
you can come from the Bundesliga. You can come from Ligoon. You can keep saying, oh, well, oh, they did so much better, and why are they doing poorly in the Premier League? The Premier League is the best of the best, in my opinion, and I'm sure everyone will agree with that statement. The Premier League is where everyone at one point or another wants to end up in that league. No matter who you're playing for, you want to end up in the Premier League. It's just the best of the best. So I think the the whole debate of, oh, well, Timo and Kai haven't done a lot. No, they've done – they're having to acclimate to their new team, and I think they've done fine. I think Timo's missed a couple really solid opportunities in front of net. And, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-oh. A couple? Oh, uh, there there have been a lot. All right, that's, uh, that's all I want to hear. Yeah, well, there, there have been a lot. I'm not disagreeing with that. But when Timo needs to come up in the clutch, Timo comes up in the clutch, in my opinion. We look at that Leicester game. Chelsea needed to win against Leicester, and it proved that way when they lost to Aston Villa on the last game of the season. That was a huge win for Chelsea. Um, but but there there have been a little bit of, of bumps in the road for Chelsea along the way, uh, a.k.a. Frank Lampard kind of, well, Frank did okay as manager. We're not going to say Frank did great. Frank did not do great. Uh, But, uh uh-oh, yeah? Uh, No, I just was going to say I actually did a Frank Lampard um, piece Uh for for RERAC when that whole fiasco was going down. I predicted that. You go read it. I, I predicted that. I gave three scenarios for Chelsea. One of them was to keep Lampard. No. Um, keep Lampard for the immediate and then stick out with him for a little bit, keep him for the whole season, or let him go and hire Thomas Tuchel. I literally said that. Wow. Hire Thomas Tuchel. That was right after he got fired. And so Chelsea can thank me because I just saved this. I saved their season. I I saved all the money that they're going to make this summer. So maybe Roman Abranovich looked at Rerack Network and said, you know what? This guy's got a point. Oh, I'm sure he definitely did. I'm sure he definitely took the advice of a 20-year-old kid who knew exactly what he was talking about about Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> well, I, I think the one problem with with Frank, and I love and I love Frank. Don't get me wrong. As a Chelsea fan, love Frank. Love what he did for the club. Um, and I think he also, a lot of people hated how, I, I don't want to say they hated how he ran the club. Um, it wasn't the results that they wanted. But I think we got to see a lot of the youth that was important to see because I don't think we would have looked at uh, Mason Mount the same way we do now because uh, Mo, I'm sure, I don't know. I don't think you've probably watched a lot of the Chelsea games, but Mo uh, or uh, Mason almost reminds me a little bit of Phil Foden. I watch a lot of Chelsea. I don't know if I've told you this before. They're my, they're the second team that I watch oh. for Christian's sake, to be honest, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I watched them from – that's why I wrote the Lampard article because I was like, these guys are struggling right now, and they need right. to do something to fix this thing. And right. to your point, Lampard did bring in that youth, and yeah. he brought Mason with him, and everyone was saying, nah, when if when, when and if Lampard gets fired, Mason's just going to go – he's going to sit ride the bench, and he's yeah. going to do this and that. But he, he's been the yeah. best player. He just won Chelsea Player of the Year. He just, he's yeah. the best Chelsea player on the field. A lot of people forget that he came with Frank from Derby. Yeah. A lot of people forget that. And, and that was one of those moves that you look back and you go, wow, that was one of those turning point moves. And obviously, Tammy's had um, good spots throughout the year. He hasn't been playing a lot recently under Thomas Tuchel. Um, but 
You looked at someone like Fakayo Tamore, uh, who's out on loan, who's probably going to get bought out by AC Milan. Uh, Fakayo did really well. Um, but Chelsea as a whole this year has been one of those teams where uh, under, under Frank, they had their struggles. But under Thomas Tuchel, they've been a completely different side. Uh, they've just been a brick wall on defense. Uh, especially at Stanford Bridge, which is huge. Obviously, uh, there there had been talks that they were going to try and play the uh, Champions League final in in London. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, thankfully, uh, they obviously picked a neutral zone. But Chelsea, throughout their their year on the defensive side, has just been uh, basically un- unstoppable. I mean, we we look at. Uh, Rudiger, Tony Rudiger has done really well. Kurt Zuma's done really well. Ben Chilwell this year, brand new signings, done decent. Uh, Aspili Quetta on the back line's done well. Uh, but I think their their biggest piece, and this will get into the saga of Kepa Ariza Balaga, but uh, Edouard Mendy has been, in my opinion, one of the most, um, almost like a bargain steal. Because Edouard Mendy's been, Really, really good in between the posts for Chelsea. Um, but but I think uh, I, I wish Pulisic this year. Uh, I mean, last year Pulisic was unstoppable. Um, and in the Champions League, Christian Pulisic turned that back on when Real Madrid came calling. So did Christian Pulisic. And he decided to just basically destroy Real by himself. And, that that was itself wonderful, but I, I think as an overall, obviously they qualified for Champions League this year along with Manchester City winners of the Premier League, um, which was something I think a lot of people. Uh, I mean, we looked at Liverpool. Liverpool was on a run at the end of the year, and we when Liverpool gets hot, and and the the crazy thing about Liverpool was Liverpool's still not healthy. Let's be honest, that team's not healthy. Um, but when Liverpool was starting to knock on the door, I, I was starting to get concerned because that top five of Leicester, uh, Chelsea, and then Liverpool battling for the three, four, five spot, it was getting intense towards the end of the year. Um, but Chelsea found a way somehow, uh, even though they like to lose to, they like to lose games to Brighton and Hove Albion for some reason, but that's besides the point. And it's not just like a one or two goal loss. No, it's like three or four. And you're looking at them going, all right, guys, come on. But uh, Chelsea has a season. You got to be proud. Qualify for Champions League yet again. In the Champions League final this year, which was something that I didn't think was possible. I did not think it was possible at all with this Chelsea team. But they turned it around. Uh, They were able to put away Real Madrid, which was huge uh, because it was the return of Eden Hazard to to Stamford Bridge. Maybe we've talked about that a little bit uh, outside of the pod, but uh, I always get concerned when Eden Hazard is on the field just because the man is a magician. Obviously, this year, injuries have not helped him at all. His entire career at Real has just been... He's just made a glass bones, it seems, at Real Madrid, which is unfortunate because he is a... When healthy, he's a world-class talent. He is absolutely unstoppable. Um, I remember his time at Chelsea. He was just incredible. His last Uh, game in blue. 
Yeah. Europa League yeah. final. Yeah. I think I think he scored that game, right? He did. He did. Which was which was obviously important for for Chelsea fans to to see that as they as he closed out his career with Chelsea. But he says he'll be back. Maybe with Zinedine Zidane out at Real, maybe Eden will come back to Chelsea. But we'll see. So, Mo, I know we had talked a little bit briefly about our season recaps for both of our teams. I know you had talked about you have your projected lineups. I got them right here. For both teams. I am intrigued to see what you have. Take it away. All right. I'll, I'll go City first. Okay. It's less debate. Okay. So, uh, back line is the, the normal back five. Ederson, Cancelo on the left, Diaz, Stones, Walker on the right. I, that back line That's has been solid super solid for City the whole year. Yep. I don't expect Guardiola to change that. I don't see why he would change that. I mean, Zinchenko could come off the bench if Walker, Cancelo are gassed, but I don't see that happening either. Um, midfield. Uh, so the base of the midfield might cause some debate. I think Fernandinho deserves it because huh? earlier in the season when you know City were losing games and they weren't where they would have been, he was the guy who brought the team together and said, boys, we stink. Right. Let's, let's get our act together. And they did. And that's when they went on that 21-game unbeaten run. And he every game he's played, solid, solid. Right. And he's just a guy that Guardiola can knock on his door and say, yo, we need you to play right. 90 minutes here at 34 years old or however old he is, old man, right. and do, and run the midfield. And he did. He does. Right. So uh, Rodri is the other guy. But that's an interesting think- I think you go experience here. And I think right. you go with the guy who's been with the club for a while. And not saying Roger won't give it his all, but if I were to pick between the two, I'd say Fernandinho, it means more to him. He's going to put right. his heart and soul and, and his boots into it. So right. um, the other two in the midfield, Gunawan and Bernardo Silva, I think, you know, they've been... Oh, Bernardo consistent. Silva. Bernardo Silva is Incredible. the most not-talked-about world-class talent in the world. Like He is. Well, I, I, I think in... And you'll probably agree with me. When you look at a Portugal national team, you obviously think of Ronaldo. And I and I feel like Ronaldo basically is like he overshadows everybody else on that team. And there is some great talent on that Portugal yeah. national team. I mean, I just mentioned two of them, Diaz and Cancelo. Right. Like they're going to be starters in the national right. team in the Euros. So Right. But everyone See, looks at it and goes, oh, that's Ronaldo's team. There are several other pieces on that team that are just as good. I'll be real, man. Though, remember 2016, they won the Euros. Who yeah. was on that team besides the guy besides Ronaldo, who came off injured in the final, and and his substitute editor scored for him, which was beyond me. I, I remember exactly where I was when that goal went in. I was just like, "What the heck?" Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm. The, you're right. This Portugal team, they have some really, they have studs, but it wasn't always like that. It was, no. you know, not until this year, to be honest, because Fernandez has come into his own. Cancelo, Diaz, um, Bernardo Silva, they have all these guys who are coming into their own, and it's showing. And I think that this city, they have three Portuguese players who are world-class and are going to be in that Euros 11. So, um, I, think, I just, think you meant to say Fernandez, by the way, not Fernandez, Fernandez. That's a different conversation for a different day. Um, that's the only way he's going to come on. Let's be honest. The, fr- the front three, so oh, like I mentioned it. before, the much like I mentioned before, the, all the like all five to six guys in these guys up front could score. And, you know, they, the way City play, they just constant fluid motion. Uh-huh. Constant fluid motion. 
And so where these guys play on the field is not really important, but the fact that they're on the field is even more important is what's really important here. So Foden deserves to start. Yep. Going obviously. And then on the right, I got Mars because he itching for this thing for since he left Leicester and he's been itching for a moment like this and he's played amazing this season. And I just think him and Foden are, you know, most dangerous one-on-one and, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Raheem Sterling, to be honest, but really? he comes off. He comes off. Yeah, he comes off the bench, gives you that speed, and I, mean, I, you know, I, I love Raheem. That's where we. That's where we part ways, man. I just don't. Raheem's good. Uh, I, dude, I think uh, Phil. Fo- I think Phil Foden has stolen his spot this year, though. You, yeah. Phil Foden has the hot hand. You got to ride with that hot hand. Yeah. You've got to keep him in there. Uh, and this is his moment. If he's going to yeah. be in the, at this club for as long as he wants to be. Speaking of Phil Foden now he needs to play in a final like this. Right, right. And, and I think they'll try and, them. to be honest, they'll probably try and sell Raheem Sterling this, this offseason. I don't know. He just signed a new contract. So I don't oh, know did that. he? Well, yeah. that's unfortunate for Man City. Yeah, so. I got enough money, though. You can go buy somebody else. Yeah, that's my City 11. I think that, you know, like I said, Sterling comes off the bench. Uh, Aguero, Aguero. Oh, Aguero. Aguero fair off, fair off, uh, farewell sending off, whatever the – so he, start, he starts up top and he gets the farewell Sunday. I don't think no, I don't think he starts. I think oh, so just Foden and Raheem, Foden, and, uh, KDB and Morris. Oh, KDB. All right, you didn't mention KDB. So. Oh, I didn't. I no. thought I did. Uh, yeah, well, KD, KDB. KD, KDB makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, well, about Kevin real quick. So I didn't. I didn't talk about it. Kevin De Bruyne is a natural center, center, yes. center for the field player, right? And he's been known to play in the center attacking position, but. This season, he's coming to his own and playing the center forward, the false nine that, that you know Pep Guardiola likes to run. He's running this season, and these three are just going to be all over the place all the time. De Bruyne is going to be free roaming, and him, him at that middle is going to be if he performs the way he has been all season. You know, the City are going to create chances, and Foden and Mars, the way they played this season, they're going to score. So, um, Kevin we'll see. was one of those signings that see the ironic thing is. Chelsea like to get rid of their really good players because you have to remember Chelsea had a lot of these world-class stars when they were young. Now, obviously we can't speculate that they were going to be as big as they are now, but you look back Romelu Lukaku, Kevin De Bruyne. It, it just brings me pain. Mo Sal- Mohamed Salah. Don't, That's a big one. Don't Mo, Mo. Don't don't bring me any more pain than I already need because I already know because we sold. Bro, you brought it up. You, you brought it up. Oh, I'm I just know. helping. I'm helping you tell your point. Thank thank you for that. I'm sure City's gotten rid of a couple of their players that they wish that they got back too. So, okay. just not as many. Um, all right. So City lineup. I I seem to agree with you on on basically everything. Uh, I I I do think Fernandinho over Rodri. Uh, it is the most logical sense right? because you talked about that experience. And I think that's important, which is why I'm interested to hear who you have in the Chelsea midfield based on your, your claim of experience. So let's hear what you got. Cause I'm sure we're going to, we're going to debate about this. We are going to debate about it. I'm telling you that right now. Okay. Um, who you got? All right. So as we were recording this, actually uh, Mendy and Conte are declared fit for Saturday. Oh, so they will be playing. Oh, this so, is great. 
and I, I have and I, and I have them in my lineup. So I'm trying to, I was kind of praying that they would be fit. Um, oh. so Mendy, Mendy and goal. Yeah. Okay. I think I don't think Tuchel pulls out a back five to start. I think he goes just the back four. Okay. And, uh, Chilwell, Rudiger, Silva, and the right back was tough, but I I put Cesar there. I put Cesar there because like the same thing for Rudinho experience. I'm not yeah. saying that Reese can't affect the game, but you know yeah. Reese has. His I think moments. Reese will be a sub. Reese will be yeah. a sub. He has his moments, and I'd rather have Tuchel bring him off the bench. To right. Be honest. Right. Um, in, in in case for Conte, who is in my midfield. If he gets hurt, he can't continue. Right. Reese can play that spot. Correct. You know, and right. then you then you have then you're for too cool, you have choices. So I'm uh, surprised. Oh hold on. We're gonna we're gonna hold on. Going. Defense All right. second. I'm surprised he went Tiago Silva. Why? That does surprise me. Tiago Silva's good, and Tiago Silva has the experience. Um could I see him going with a Rudiger Zuma back line in the middle? I could. I, I, I think it's either going to be Zoom. I think Rudiger's definitely in it. It's just a matter of does Zuma take that second spot or does Tiago Silva take that second spot? Um, but but I, I like that back line. Uh, Chilwell's done really well. Um, yeah. Tiago Silva has, has been another one of those where you forget that they signed him this year, but he's done like incredible on that back line. Um, he's their rock at the back in my. That's why I have him there. He's their rock. Yes. And I could, like I know. said, I could see him there, um, but I could also see Zuma also in that back line. All right. Yeah. So we know Conte is in your midfield. Who else? Just one more thing about the one more thing about the back line. Yeah. Uh, with Chilwell, because you brought it up, I thought it was a you know, good point to mention. Chilwell, when T- Tuchel came in, he wasn't in the lineup no. a lot. He was he was kind of casted away, and right. you know they had signed him this summer. And everyone was like, why are they casting away, you know, a guy that they bought for, what, 60 million? And he's a, he's one of the best left backs in the ah. Premier League. You know, you can argue in the world, but we'll make that, we'll make that argument now. But and I, I don't, know, I don't opinion, say he's the best, but he's up there. One he, of the best, one of the best. Yeah. Yeah. If, I think you need to have him in, in, in this Absolutely. game. And, and you can't, you can't play a back five because yeah. like, First of all, City are going to attack, are going to pressure you the whole game, and you're just going to sit back and just so just get get forward, get Chilwell crossing the ball in, rather than Alonso who's just going to play high up the field and not play defense. So um, I think you need that against these City wingers, especially when they're moving all over the place. Right. So, so just all right, back to the midfield. Yeah. Conte at the uh-huh. base. Uh huh. Kovacic. Yes. All right. Yeah. All right. Who's the third? And Mount. Yes. And I left Jorginho off because Jorginho is the worst soccer player I've seen play Ooh. as of right now in a while. And, and he's getting sold this summer, man. I'm telling you, he's going He's going this summer because he has put in some shit performances, dude. Shit performances. And it's like, why? Like, I, Thomas Tuchel loves this, playing this guy. And Well, you have to remember. I'll, I'll tell you what, this I'll tell all you what started he's with... good at. I'll tell you what he's good at, right? He's good at penalty kicks. He's very good. Progressing the ball. Yes. And he's a good leader in the midfield. Yes. Right? Yes. Let me tell you why Jorginho is not good. <laughs> Jorginho is a, a buffoon. Like, he just makes the dumbest mistakes ever. And it's when – you, when you play like how Chelsea play, right, you play really good defense and you rely on your midfielders to, you know, be an extension of that. 
Right. And this guy just just acts like a, buff- a buffoon in the middle of the field and that counterattacked. And then the back line is exposed. And I'm not saying those guys aren't good enough to handle like that, but they're not they're no Virgil van Dyke. They're no Ruben Diaz. They're no you know solid in their own like all right if you if you get beat i'm gonna save your ass but that's not how it is and it's killed chelsea a lot this season do you start him in a final where it's a one-off game and you play in a team like city i say no and i would rather have mount in that midfield yep and that way you know if you need mount to play up top later in the game you have options right you can switch that uh, you can switch that up i know tuchel likes him up top i know tuchel he's the stamp guy but that's no, a creator. That's a creator. Yeah, I agree with you in the midfield. The one name I was very, very excited, and I'm sure you heard my excitement, Mateo Kovacic. When they bought him from Real, I was ecstatic. Mateo Kovacic, he's very good. And Real Madrid basically gave him to us as like a as a parting gift when we gave them Thibaut Courtois and, and Eden. Um, basically, they just they were like, Here, take Mateo. And what, what Mateo has done for Chelsea is incredible. I, I've loved what he's done in the midfield. Um, I think he's a world class player and he has Champions League experience. Yeah. And, and that's something in that midfield. It Chelsea's one of those young teams, they need the experience. Uh, they have they have the experience, but they need that veteran experience. And that's what Mateo Kovacic brings to that Chelsea team. All right. So we've gone through the defense. We've gone through the midfield. There's one other name that needs to be in this Chelsea lineup. And Mo, it's one of those forwards. So you better make sure that the name that I want to see in the Chelsea lineup is in the Chelsea lineup. So who you got? All right. It better not be Olivier Giroud because he's not in my lineup. Oh no, it's not Olivier. It's not Olivier. <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to see a scorpion kick again. If he wants to do that, sure, go right ahead. Bring him off the bench. He'll produce some magic. He always does. All right. And that's why we love Olivier. Sure. Up top. Come on. This is this was hard. Uh, no. Because I don't know what Thomas Tuchel wants to do up top, man. I just don't it's, know it's, what he wants to hard. do. There's three names. Besides play Mason Mount every single game up top, which I don't think well, he should be doing anyway. He's not gonna do that. Come on. Say the name, Mo. I have Kai at striker. Okay. Okay. I have ZH on the right. Okay. And Timo on the left. No, 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 no. <laughs> but and you know me, man. I'm Christian Pulisic's number one fan. Like I, I've loved this guy. Are you kidding me? U seventeen no. World Cup. There is only, but there is only one reason why I don't have him in this lineup, and it's not because he's a bad player. It's not because he hasn't performing well. It's not because I don't trust him in these moments to perform. I just love him off the bench in this game. I just love love him off the bench, and I know that's hard. I know that's hard to accept, right? But here's the thing about Christian Pulisic. His impact in the Champions League is is there. Like he has four goals and three assists, yeah. right? And he in all tournament. And he's, you know, when he started against Real, he scored, right? And he's, he's could be anybody one on one. But I can just like picture it. If I'm Thomas Tuchel, right? If I bring him on in the fifty, the the most boring part of a soccer game is forty five to sixty minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I see what Pep Guardiola wants to do, and then I'm like, all right, Christian. Most likely the game is going to be tied zero zero. Okay, I'm like, all right, Christian, okay. you're going to go in there and you're just going to attack Jao Cancelo. 
right? And you're just going to wreak havoc amongst, in between the center back and the winger. And it's going to create more space for Timo to operate. And I still like Kai up top. I think he needs to be a striker. And Ziyech will probably get pulled first. I just want Ziyech to get into the game because I, I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think no. that – I think that his left foot is – yeah. honestly one of the best in the world at yeah. that position yeah. and Thomas Tuchel will be dumb not to re- utilize him but he can't you I don't think I think utilizing him off the bench is a worse idea than starting Christian Pulisic interesting so I want to see Christian come off the bench score a goal and take his shirt off celebrate wave that number 10 jersey around and show everybody who's boss because he came off the bench and he's Captain America and, and he's the superhero right but for him to start He's just gonna get fouled all game, right? He's not gonna he he's not gonna be able to actually get into his rhythm and like you know I just I think it's gonna be hard because City are gonna know that. Jao Cancelo literally said that he's the the trickiest winger he's ever faced, and that's this is Jao Cancelo who is noted one as one of the best. Backs in, in the game. Yeah, which so goes to show how good he, Christian Pulisic is, right? And like I guess I'm his number one fan. I'm his number one fan, I, and I I'm all all season. I was all for starting him. Like, Tuchel, you got to start him. Tuchel, you got to start him, bro. He, he's so good. I just I just like him off the bench. And it's a one-off game. I like him off the bench. I just do. And plus, if Timo's playing, like, like hot garbage, take Timo off, man. Oh, I mean, it, it, he has options. I, he has options. That's what yes. I'm saying. If you keep Pulisic on the bench, you have options. And it's not the same as Ziyech or Timo on the bench first. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that that's my logic behind it. Yep. I know it's not a popular opinion, especially yep. for American fans. But I am a USMNT guy. I want to see I mean, Americans and win the Champions League no matter what. I prefer the guy to actually play to win because right. that's right. never happened yeah. before for right. a guy to play American to play and win the Champions League. But I think Christian would be awesome off the bench. And you know what? If that's what happens, and Christian doesn't like his situation in Chelsea, let's say they lose, don't like the situation in Chelsea, he can take. Too cool. I'm done. Pack me up. You don't trust me. No, I'm leaving. No. I'll play more minutes somewhere else. I'm I'm just saying that the possible the possibility of that is not un- unlikely. I know that makes you not happy, Will. But this is that was my logic for the front three, and you know, quite honestly, I ain't Thomas Tuchel. Quite honestly, nobody is Thomas Tuchel. No one, no one can get in that man's brain. And we just have to wait until two o'clock on Sunday when the lineups come out. So. Yeah. I, I will disagree with you on on the offense, Mo. I, I think Pulisic starts. I What he did to Real Madrid, you you, you have to start him. I, I think you take it, – it's Pulisic on the left, Timo on the right, Kai up top. Timo doesn't play well on the right, man. That's the problem because if, if Pulisic is on the left, where are you putting Timo? You put him up top to just miss goals and be offside all the time. Ooh. That ain't happening. Ooh. I'm putting, I'm putting my young, 21 year old, big noggin Kai Havertz up top and telling him, "Yo, just play like you did for Leverkusen, just banging goals like you did." And I mean, if they want to put, I almost honestly, have like a four mid midfield, put Kai in the middle, almost play like that false nine, and then throw uh, Timo and Pulisic as like a two striker setup. I'm not gonna say no. I just think Kai is. Uh, I I don't think he's a support striker. I've I've said this for a while. It actually was in my article about Frank Lampard. I said, Frank, buddy, 
you got to put this guy at the nine at the because he just scores goals. Like why? He was playing him. He was playing him on the right. He was playing him on the left. He was trying to play him in the midfield. Like dude, this guy at twenty years old was scoring goals, making defenders look stupid in the Bundesliga. And you want to play him on the right? He's a lanky, tall, lanky. He's not that fast. Like just let him score goals up top. And I think Tuchel should just say, Kai, it's your it's your time, man. So this is your coming out party. And because of that, it creates different – the wingers makes it tricky right? for me. Right. All right. Well, that was a good little session on our lineups for tomorrow's big Champions League final between our two teams. Mo, before, before we, uh, we wrap things up, yeah, what do you got on odds? Let's see. I did some research. All right, so – this, this gambling has taken a huge spike oh, yes. in this country and people our age love it. So yes. the reason why I want to talk about the odds is because when you, when you have money on a game, it's, it, you become more emotionally invested, right? So city opened up at minus minus one fourteen on DraftKings. Chelsea opened Ooh. up at plus three sixty on DraftKings. The underdog. So if give I, me the underdog. I, I, if I'm, you know, if I were better, Stare at this Chelsea line. I'm like, oh my god, my give I'm it, drooling. Give it because that. I mean, Chelsea. Look, I don't know if we're gonna do predictions. Do you? I don't know if you want to do predictions. Like, oh, we will do predictions, but we will do predictions. All right, then I'll save what I think about that. So uh, the over is over two. And, I I like over two and a half goals. Over two and a half is yes. That's uh, that plus plus one twenty three. The over-under odds weren't that great, but this was definitely the better one because this game has a very good chance of City just jumping out in front and taking it over. It also has a very good chance of them just going back and forth a couple uh, times and then yes. going to extra time. Yeah, and so I like the over. Um, yes. And then I have some goal props, like player props. Ooh, yeah. Who you got? Aguero to score the last goal. No. It's Plus four eighty five. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. It's just uh, that's just one I wanted to throw out because I just wanted to see what your reaction was. Um, Pulisic to score plus four twenty. That Foden will. To, Foden to score plus three hundred, and that KDB to score will. plus three hundred. Okay. And both teams to score. I didn't have the number. I think it's like plus one twenty. Both teams, both teams will to score. score. Yeah, it's plus one twenty. So, um, you know, hopefully, as we start doing this show more. Uh, to give you guys some more some good stuff uh, with that, but I know it's a hot thing around here. So, um, and when we talk about predictions, we can talk about more the lines too. Well, let's let's get straight into the predictions, Mo. <laughs> I know. Can, my we, pre- can we agree? Can we agree to take all the emotion out of these predictions? Yes. I just want to make that very clear. Okay, because yes. before I say mine too, because um, my, mine was, uh, mine is realistic. I, I, okay. I think it's very realistic that this could happen. Um, and no, it's not just a biased answer. I, I truly do think this could happen. I think it will be 3-2 Chelsea. Wow. I think five goals are scored in the Champions League final. Chelsea don't know how to score three goals in a game. Ooh, well, we'll show you tomorrow. I, I think they score three. Pulisic has a goal that I will... I'll just say that now. Pulisic has a goal tomorrow. Off the bench, 2-2. Pulisic no. comes on. No. 
You're, I, I'm gonna get a very angry text from you tomorrow when he doesn't start. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Um, I don't, I don't think Aguero's. I don't think Aguero scores. I just don't. It depends if Guardiola decides to throw him on. I think he will, but I, I, th- I think Foden will score. Foden will score. I think Bernardo Silva is going to score tomorrow. Those are my wow. two goals. I didn't even see Bernardo's odds. Um, it's probably much higher than any of the ones we talked about. I think for Chelsea, I, I said Pulisic scores. <sighs> There's one name I want to say, but I don't think he scored. I want to see Olivier get on there, get on the board, but I don't think Olivier plays. I don't think I mean, he plays he at all. He hasn't played recently as much, so I don't know why Thomas would do that unless they're up like four nothing and they want him to play. Well, I mean, if they're up four nothing, then you'll get a you'll get a happy text from me. And if they're up four nothing, then most of the most of the bets we talked about hit. So this is true. This is true. Yeah. All right. You hear my prediction? Three two Chelsea. What do you got? All right. Mine's more in depth. Oh God. Bear with me. Bear with me here. No. Hold on. Um, Bear with me. Mine is full time. There's no extra time. 90 minutes, 3 2 in. They don't go to extra time. They don't go to pens. When Thomas Tuchel came to Chelsea Uh and you started to see this formation of this team, Uh I pointed them out and I was like, wow, that is a team that is fully equipped to win the Champions League final. Oh, yes, it is. Fully equipped. Fully equipped, right? Yes. And that's not saying Pep Guardiola City can't do that. I'm just saying the model of recent Champions League winners is very similar to what Chelsea have now, right? right? And it's what got Thomas Tuchel to the final last year. Right. The the formation, the style is a little different, but same manager, same mentality, same essentially the same tactics. The only reason why I say Chelsea don't win this game is form okay but i don't think i but i think that in a one-off game is it a close game yes okay i think chelsea i think chelsea nagged this 2-1 i think chelsea nagged this 2-1 and ruined this for aguero and ruined this for manchester city and ruin it for them because so chelsea of the sole fact i yeah no that's what i say you're gonna be surprised what i say all right i think that they are equipped to win a game like this yeah equipped and City's style is as good as it is. Right. It's not. It's not normal. We'll say that word, right? It's not standard. It's not. It's different, right? And I think that's the reason why they won a lot of games this year. But Tuchel will know that. Tuchel will be in twice. All, albeit the fact that, you know, City, City didn't produce their best lineups in those moments. Uh, you know, Nathan Ake playing center back is just not what's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, Come on. We got to make it yeah, happen. I think Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea have seen Chelsea have seen half of Manchester City. Yes. Maybe three quarters of Manchester City this season, right? Like like the full Manchester City. Right. I just don't think it's going to be enough for City. I think I think the, I think some like Chelsea might nab this one out. And But the only reason why I say that they don't win this game is is form and momentum. And, you know, that can come back to bite them, but I don't think it will. I think Tuchel has them ready and prepared. And I think Christian comes off the bench and scores the goal. Like, and that's unbiased. I think he, 
I think he's he's the guy, and he oh, he I wears that number ten shirt for a reason. And I think yes. Tuchel's got to give this man more more ups. Honestly, you're you're almost making me think of vibes of uh, cue the Fernando Torres clip of scoring on Barcelona, or if we're even going to go a little bit crazier, let's go uh, Didier over over Bayern. Either or would be yeah. Fun. I'm... Either or would be. Fun. Hey, I, I I know I'm a City fan, right? But I said before this, let's take all the emotion out of it. Yeah. As much as I would oh, love Manchester City to win their first European final, I would love to see Aguero come on and score a goal in his farewell. Yep. I just part. I, it's my it's my it's my gut. I'm like Chelsea are just built to win this thing, man. They're right. they're just built to win it from back to front. Yep. And you know. The options on the bench is the only thing that I really think they don't have over City. Right. You know, they said they have the options on the bench, but I don't know, man. It's giving me an exciting time. I'm watching the game late, so hopefully it doesn't get ruined for me. Oh, boy. But um, I mean, I fingers crossed I don't watch the game late. Yeah. I, Let I, it rain. Let it rain. You're you're hopeful for the rain. I will. Uh, rain. I will be watching the Champions League final live. I will wear my Chelsea Christian Pulisic number twenty two jersey. Not the number ten, that, dude. That's that's the jersey. And if screw the number ten jersey, that's the jersey. Eight goals in eight games. We're in twenty two. That's the jersey. Yeah. Project restart. Yeah. Cap, Captain Project restart. Oh. Uh, again, those were the days, man. Yeah. Were, were they ever? I remember um, when when Chelsea first signed Christian Pulisic. I was ecstatic. Not only as a U.S. men's national team to see somebody in the Premier League, but to see the local kid, the Hershey PA kid, yeah, being in Chelsea blue, it just made me so happy. And I think it would be criminal of us were to say we're starting this podcast because you know we're trying to focus on American soccer and, and give people this avenue of like, hey, there's kids like us who can get you involved in the sport yeah. in a way that it's it's for sure it's easy, but. It would be criminal of us not to talk about the American impact of Christian Pulisic because uh, the fact what, that he's not, he has done, it, yeah, incredible. the fact that nobody knows, like not nobody, but if you were to walk up to a random person on the street, I'd say the odds of them knowing it are less than fifty percent. Right, and that boggles my mind because right. he's an American superstar in the making. Actually, five years ago to this day, he scored his first international goal for the United States. Wow, five years to this day, wow. so. A day before he is playing the Champions League final. Yep. So it's been five years since this guy has been on the stage. And the fact not many people know his name and not many people know who he is. And I mean, and they know his name in England because he beats everybody's defenders on one on one off the on the ball. Uh-huh. And then and our goal is for everyone to know his name this summer because this summer right. is gonna be amazing. So right. And I and I think um We'll talk, obviously, a little bit more about the U.S. men's national team further along as we get through uh, the pod and we develop the pod. Uh, obviously, we want to talk about Champions League, uh, both being as fans of, of our teams, just so happened to be in the Champions League final, and we wanted to get prediction out there, think what we think of the team. Oh, I didn't get my prediction, bro. I say 2-1 Chelsea. Yeah. Did I, I do heard, that? Yeah, you, oh, did. Okay. you did. You did. You did. Christian Pulisic off the bench. Scores yeah. the game winning goal for Chelsea, and I wouldn't be upset with that either. Um, but uh, the exposure, uh, Pulisic, yes, um, Weston McKinney, 
who has been beast incredible for Juve. Um, beast. That's all. That's the only word you can describe him. Right. Beast. Right. Uh, Tyler Adams, Josh Sargent, Brendan Aronson from coming from the Union, going um, to the Austrian Bundesliga. Mark McKenzie in the Belgian beast. Pro League. Uh, Zach Steffen, who we may see tomorrow. Maybe we don't know. We're not seeing him tomorrow. Hey, but he's a beast. One thing is for certain. A U.S. men's national team player will be lifting the Champions League trophy tomorrow, just as whether it's Zach Steffen or Christian Pulisic. For the second time. Right. Most people think it's the first time, but it's the second time. 1997. Yeah. I forget the guy's name. Alexis. But it's not important. No. Not that. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, but Christian has a chance to be the first player to actually play in the Champions League <laughs> final, which is. It's I'm not saying Stefan doesn't have a chance, but yeah, it's incredible. It's like I, I never thought that I would that I would be sitting here, right? I'm sitting here and I'm gonna be watching the game and I'm like begging for Christian to score, but I want City to win. Like that that because right. that's my team. I never thought I would be in this predicament before because it's two of your favorite team. He's American. He's American. Like it, what the what? It's it's crazy that people don't understand the magnitude of this right. thing. Right. And I think um from a Chelsea standpoint, I'm not sure how well they've done uh, in in sales of jerseys, but I'm sure the American market for Chelsea gear has gone up exponentially. Well, Chelsea has always been an American soccer, like well, American soccer team. Uh, I just think with Pulisic, though, I'm sure jersey sales for for not only Chelsea but for Pulisic in itself. I remember when his jersey first came out. People were wanting like two hundred bucks for a jersey, and I was like, "Good lord!" But it's it, it's understandable. It's crazy it's magnitude. Uh, one one last thing about Christian. Yep. One last thing about Christian. I think what makes this thing even like crazier, and like it doesn't make me emotional, but it gives me goosebumps. This guy is just like me, just like you. Like he's twenty two years old. He's crazy. He, you can go to a frat, you can go to you can go to a frat party and Christian Pulisic could just be there like if he wasn't a professional sure. soccer player he would just be booing at college like yeah. and maybe playing college soccer at the most like but the the fact that one of our own like view I can view him as a peer he can view me right. as a peer right? right we're both American 20, 20 young twenty year olds you know who love soccer right yeah. it's it's crazy to me, and it's it's not like this is like Michael Bradley playing in the Champions, going to the Champions League final, right? That 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 age is done. Like that that era is done. No more Josie. No more Clint. Oh, no more Josie. whoa! Hey, I know. I hey, hate. No to Josie Altador on this podcast. Hey, Josie Altador has done great things for soccer. And has done great things Absolutely. for American youth, and and the way he's carried himself throughout his career, he's a beast, right? But. You're gonna tell me that you're not more excited about? Oh, I'm. I mean, Emwaya, Josh Sargent, Daryl DK, despite his lack of form. You're gonna tell me that Sergino, Sergino, you didn't even mention. Oh, I'm just talking about the strikers. Oh, I haven't gotten to the other guys yet. Actually, what I think, just to give you guys a sneak peek on the next episode, I think I want to do a projected U.S. eleven for the summer. I'm that would be sick. That would be sick. So, um, I definitely have that. Yeah, I, we're def, we're doing that. Well, like 100, percent we're doing that. So, right. so stay tuned um, for episode two. People got people got to know these players, and I yeah. think Christian's a perfect start. Oh yeah, Christian start.
Christian starting, Christian starting. Well, Mo, this has been fun. Episode number one, officially in the books. Are we calling this episode one or episode zero? Oh, this is episode one. The preview to the Football Patriots empire that will be coming from this podcast. That's been Mo. I've been Will. Thank you for tuning in to the first of hopefully many episodes as we continue to bring you the world of U.S. soccer. This has been the Football Patriots.